Kevin Garnett is looking to buy the Timberwolves. And Justice Winslow is done for the season. Plus, we've got more clarity on the NBA end of season awards and the Jordan brand taking a spotlight. It is the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA. Let's do this. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA, the daily podcast covering everything you want to know about the association, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On Wednesdays, I'm your co-host Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter and the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. And I'm John Corrales, host of the Locked On Celtics podcast. Find me on Twitter at Reds Army underscore John. I saw your cat back there. Yeah, he, he likes to, I have two that like to run around and quickly make a lot of appearances on Zoom calls, like to sit on my keyboard as I'm doing things, and um, then like to also fight. So they've become, like they, they make frequent appearances on Locked On NBA, or Locked On Pelicans, not on purpose. All right, so we're going to have some fun in a number of these segments here, because there's a lot going on today around the league, around the bubble. Um, we're going to dive into the big stories first with Kevin Garnett trying to buy the team and some other things. Then we're going to give you a recap just kind of on everything going on around the bubble, because there's a lot of news, and it's not easy to catch up. And then we're going to wrap up the show doing um, looking at awards and the Jordan brand. But this Kevin Garnett story is awesome. So it sounds like the Timberwolves owner, Glenn Taylor, is looking to sell the team being reported by The Athletic. He's entertaining all offers. And one of the groups that's looking to buy the team is legendary Timberwolves player Kevin Garnett. Uh, We could easily steal a line from Jordan in The Last Dance and say, this is personal. Oh, yeah, it's personal. Uh, Kevin Garnett does not like Glenn Taylor. It stems from his return to Minnesota after he left Boston uh, and Brooklyn. In a nutshell, he and Flip Saunders kind of had an agreement after he got one good farewell contract from Minnesota. He was going to eventually move into the front office slash ownership. Then, tragically, Flip Saunders died. And to hear Kevin Garnett's version of it, when he died, all of that went with him. And that basically Glenn Taylor reneged on a lot of this stuff. And, and KG's been kind of out in Minnesota they haven't even announced whether they're going to retire his number, which is obvious, right? Like he's their only it, Hall of Famer. It's not even a question of whether they should. Of course he also said he wouldn't show up if they retired his number. So that probably doesn't like make things any better too. So there's been some right. bad blood between him and ownership there for a little while, which sucks. You and I have talked about it, I think, on the show before where like this is the best player in franchise history. He's beloved there. Like the fact yeah. that... They- Kind of like a messy divorce right now sucks just all around for like everyone. And I really dislike this. This is just not how things should be in a situation like this. He definitely, though, by announcing this, puts Glenn Taylor in a weird spot, right? It almost feels like he's doing this to force Glenn Taylor's hand. If Glenn Taylor sells to another group that isn't Kevin Garnett's, 
Glenn Taylor is going to be the biggest villain of all time there, it feels like. He's selling for more money instead of doing the right thing and giving it to <laughs> Kevin Garnett. What a great way for Kevin Garnett to stick it to this. We have like a bit of an anti-rich people thing going on in the country right now. <laughs> Usually do. I'm all for m- people making money, but you're going to just be such a villain if you sell it for like 20 million more than you could have to Kevin Garnett's group, right? Right. So... He paid $88 million for the team in 1995, and he's asking $1.2 billion. And already he's staying, or the reporting is, that he's not selling to anybody who's, whose intent is to move the franchise, which further bolsters Kevin Garnett's case. Uh, he's not going to move that franchise out of Minnesota. So I agree. Like KG putting a little pressure on Glenn Taylor. He's already, he's 79, he's worth, three billion dollars he's gonna get a he's gonna clear based on what he bought this for over a billion dollars on the franchise the extra 50 million 100 million whatever it might be yeah whatever the number is whatever the disparity is between kevin garnett's offer and another team another group's offer it doesn't matter like if he just says well like you said that that offer was 50 million dollars more i mean yeah, he's, he's going to look like the worst person. Like, it, look, Minnesota meltdown. Yeah, I don't want. I, I don't want to fault someone for trying to like go out and make more money on your own stuff. Like that is not you know usually how I am. Even though I'm very pro player and labor movement and stuff like that with this, but like Kevin Garnett has put some pressure on him here, and I kind of like it. Like if you want to stick it to that dude, costing him millions of dollars because he doesn't want to be a villain, and maybe maybe he doesn't. Maybe he also doesn't care. You know, for fifty more million, I might not have a problem being a bad guy. Um, so like, <laughs> you know, it's kind of one of those things. It's, it's weird. It's an interesting story, but there's some bad blood there. I, are you in on KG as an owner of this team? Do you think that's a good thing, a bad thing? So here, what I feel like would be best is Kevin Garnett as not the majority owner, at least not yet. Like Kevin Garnett can't come in and own 50% of the team because I think he's, He's still too emotional and emotional owners are bad owners. I feel like there needs to be like a transition period where Kevin Garnett comes in and owns, I don't know, whatever it is, five, 10, 20% of the team and sees kind of like the inner workings and understands it from the other side and then kind of grows into a role where he slowly buys more and more of the team. I think him coming in right away with, with his attitude, with his, I've seen it. Like he, he know this better than a lot of people. Right. And so I, I want Kevin Garnett to succeed in this. I think Kevin Garnett being a successful owner, bringing Minnesota a championship would be amazing. So I want to make sure that, that it happens the right way. And I feel like, I feel like he's too emotional, is too hands on too early it might be it might be something that that goes off the rails so i want i want kg to have a little bit of time to calm down and be a little bit more calculating as an owner no i think that makes a lot of sense you know i I remember talking with alvin gentry after kobe retired and we asked him if kobe was going to be a a coach and would he be a good coach and gentry was like no not not a chance because he's such a good player that he has trouble maybe relating to guys that aren't as good as him or don't work as hard as him because this is just the way he operates at. And I think if you had Kevin Garnett, maybe with 50, over 50%, the controlling guy, and th- sees things are going wrong, 
and he kind of has his own personal standards attached to that, that's how things can maybe get a little bit uh, dysfunctional, a little bit messy, less continuity there. So I always worry about that till maybe, as you said, like a, a, a transition period of times uh, in a sense. So I think that makes a lot of sense. I think you're dead on with that. You know, these great players are wired like that for a reason. It's not always easy to realize that people aren't wired like you, I think. So that makes a lot of sense. Moving on and keeping a theme here of players who don't like someone else who's not a player we have one of the greatest quotes coming out of Chicago who somehow has not fired Jim Boylan, right? Like this is kind of weird to me that he's still the head coach and it feels like every day he's there longer, he's going to stay there longer. That's my outsider perspective looking on this. But the Bulls rookie, Daniel Gafford, did not have nice things to say about Jim Boylan on, on Twitch as he was playing 2K. Quote is, he's all right. Gafford said, I don't like him a lot, but he's okay. Got some things he can work on, got some things he can get better at as a person and as a coach, end quote. Uh, um, I, I kinda, <laughs> is there like an awkward gif I can use and put on here? Did I like adequately convey that? Um, <laughs> wow. I mean, wow. Uh, and this is a rookie. This is a rookie talking. Like uh, what? What? I, I, moment of like utter honesty that you don't really see first and foremost like that is truly amazing to me that a rookie uh you know is saying something like that it's and and you mentioned this as we were getting ready for the show a lot of this has to do because this interview was he was streaming nba 2k he was playing a video game on twitch and people are asking him questions now me as a journalist as a reporter I struggle to get real answers out of guys. Basically, all I got to do now is I got to start getting on Twitch and just asking these guys while they're playing video games, you get real answers on Twitch. They are so honest. And it's so I'm a big Twitch guy. I'm a big video game guy. I actually hosted the Pelicans official Twitch show for a little bit before this hiatus. Shameless plug right there. It's a it's an interesting <laughs> platform because if you want to connect with your viewers and build an audience and they all want to do that because it's building your brand, like you have to be very open and honest and truthful and connect with your audience that way. And they tend to give you answers like this. I was watching Josh Hart play Call of Duty on Twitch, who's really entertaining on there. Um, and he was talking about uh, how how to put this the the personal time in the hotel room and how strong is the Wi-Fi for for that sort of sort of thing and you would not have cameras on you recording this while you do it like you get what I mean. The mm -hmm. uh, players talking about that open and honestly in front of hundreds and potentially thousands of people and it's like you're never gonna they're never gonna say something like that to you and I. No, never. Um, uh, Josh Hart is is a very unique guy though. He's fun. There's that, uh, but. <laughs> But look, this is the relaxed environment. This is the type of environment that we're dying to get these guys into so they can relax and talk to us. And who knows? Yeah, we've seen guys. Maybe you have a couple of beers. Maybe you have a couple of glasses of wine. And you're just sitting, you're chilling. You're just having a nice night to yourself. You're playing video games and people start asking you questions. And you're like, things you, you would probably know better and a PR person would be standing next to you. Oh, they'd be like, um, okay, so quickly. we're done. We're done. But like, in this situation, I can't imagine Bulls PR looking at this and going, oh my God, Danny, what are you doing? How quickly <laughs> also does Boylan want to cut this dude? Boylan doesn't really know, strike right? me as the guy that's going to be understanding and be like, let's work on this together. This guy well, who uh, first practice was like three hours. He he pulled everyone out on the second night of a back-to-back -back so we could make him practice the next day. Like, 
yeah, this this could go yeah. overwhelming there, isn't it? Like, but no one. Look, I'm not a Bulls guy. I haven't watched the team. I'm not going to pretend that I know all of the exact specifics of everything going on there. This doesn't strike me boiling as a guy that anyone really likes. Yeah, no, that and it's it's kind of like been ongoing, right? Like Boylan is just he, he. There was already a mutiny that was quelled right after he took the the job, and then we, we've got things like this. Boylan is not working in Chicago. This here is just another uh, another piece of evidence. Remember the old game, the waiter game. You'd like stack up the stuff on the on the waiter's tray, and it would like you have to keep it from tipping over. Like, what? my no. too old. Yeah, I was there, like, there was a game. <laughs> there was a game. There was a game where that was like, yeah. And so this is like one more thing that would keep that that's gonna make this thing tip over. So, so we're going to go to the next segment here in a minute, but first, so like you are so old that your version of fun was stacking things on a train, not trying to drop it down. Did you have to like rub two sticks for no, fire too, was... to like light up the house? Yes, but that's besides <laughs> the point. Though that was an actual game that was, uh, a... we're going to go to the, it in a box and, and then it was a game. You'd go out <laughs> to a toy store and buy it in a box. And that was, I swear that that was a game. I believe you. When, when, when we come back, I'll have the answer for you. I'll have the answer for you. All right. We'll be back here in just a moment. But don't forget, subscribe to Locked on NBA wherever you get your podcasts from. Here Monday through Friday for you all, breaking down everything you want to know about bubble life, about all the upcoming games. We've got updates for you coming up here in just a moment. All right, Jake. Before you start talking, I found it. It's called Don't Tip the Waiter. And it's a game where... This doll, this waiter thing, this this little doll-looking thing, is it has a rounded bottom, and so it kind of jostles, it slides left and right, and then it has the flat tray at the at the top, and each player takes turns putting like the little quote-unquote plates. They look like little pogs. You put the plate on there, and each the weight of each plate makes it tip one way or the other. And the goal of the game is to not be the guy who makes the thing tip over and everything falls off. Google yeah, it. It's called like Don't it. Tip I the Waiter. It. I pulled it up. You can buy it on Amazon. Um, I see it here. I'm looking at boardgamegeek.com, and it's got uh, a shocking number of stars, actually, for it. Um, oh, wait, it no. It's 4.9 4. out of 10. Never mind. I thought it was 4.9 yeah. out of 5. Um, it was fun. Yeah, look, it was I fun for, it. like, five minutes. It was fun yeah, for, like, like, five minutes. You know, little kid, like, you just need to keep them easily entertained. We, on the, on the other hand, are entertained usually by everything coming out of the bubble with the NBA, though today's kind of a little bit different. We got some bad news coming out. Uh, first and foremost, that being that Justice Winslow fell after practice the other day, hurt his hip. They are not specifying anything, but he is going to be out for the remainder of the regular season, the eight seeding games and whatever playoffs that Memphis might have. Uh, on the surface, this looks like not a good thing, but then you kind of look at it in Memphis, who's 32 and 33 and traded for Winslow in the middle of the season. He's not played for Memphis at all. So I don't know if this necessarily changes much, but I was actually talking with Mark King, who hosts Locked On Grizzlies today about this sort of thing. He said Winslow was maybe projected to be the starting small forward for Memphis during this time. So it's not good for them. You see this affecting their chances for that 8-9 play-in or anything going forward? Well, it, it does affect it because they traded away key players for Justice Winslow. And even though Justice Winslow didn't play for them, 
they gave up guys who did. And so um, to, to give up uh, uh, Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill to, and obviously Iguodala who didn't matter in this trade. Yeah, that one. Um, yeah, exactly. Right. But to, to get, like I understood the, the move and I thought like that, that wasn't such a bad idea. So in the short term, yes, it hurts because now they don't have Winslow or Solomon Hill and Jay Crowder who were useful. Uh, in the long term, it's problematic because they traded those guys for a reason and they're hoping that Justice Winslow can find some good health and be part of a young core that that is is growing and he can grow around uh, the, the the young stars that that Memphis has. So um, it does it does hurt their chances uh, a little bit. So um, I, I, if, it, and especially it if he was their ceiling, where I think, yeah. Well, yeah, because if he was projected to be a starter, yeah, then, it's like you're losing a guy. Like it's not, you know. Again, they they kind of achieved a lot of what they did without him. I'm not a big believer in that team anyway. I don't imagine Justice. Like I think they'll hold on to the eight spot, and then I think they likely lose to whoever finishes ninth. Hopefully, the Pelicans. So I don't necessarily see it changing <laughs> a whole lot with anything here. But it impacts stuff because they're you know uh, the bubble bubble teams is what I've been calling them. All those ones in the race for the eight spot there kind of are impacted by this. Another update on two of those, and we'll get to your team too. Here is. De'Aaron Fox, who's been out with an ankle sprain, sounds like he's really recovered. He should miss their first scrimmage game, but probably be back for at least the final one and probably be ready to go for the opening of the NBA's restart. The Kings, who have a chance at this and we're playing some really good basketball leading up to it, certainly need him there because they've had a whole lot of weird things going on. So that's kind of good news if you want some star power there. There's no update on Zion Williamson, who left the bubble for an urgent family matter. He's got to be back by either Sunday or Monday and have had seven straight negative coronavirus tests to only have a four-day quarantine period and then be ready to go for the opening game against the Utah Jazz. And then you've got an update on Kemba and your Celtics too, right? Yeah. So Kemba Walker is is progressing in his strengthening of his right knee, which has been problematic. Uh, he missed a bunch of games this season because of it. They, they had him on in every other day schedule. Now the past five days, they say he's done something. But um, depending on what the what happens on Thursday, he's probably not going to play in the Friday scrimmage. But uh, Brad Stevens said, quote, he's pretty darn close. That's good. Look, we want star power in this sort of thing. The league also like desperately needs star power in this thing to kind of recoup all of the money here. So if some of these guys miss times, you know, only one of the teams you're talking about in the West is going to make the playoffs. That means other teams are going to be in the lottery. And also the NBA informed teams of a new calendar date. The draft lottery is now going to be August 20th up from August 25th. The draft day is going to remain the same October 16th. So we get the excitement of the lottery at least five days earlier, which like I'm not complaining about right now. Yeah, no draft lottery is always fun. Uh, it's always uh, its own little uh, bit of entertainment when they pull the the envelopes out. Uh, and I know just from the Celtics perspective, I was going to say you're going to be Grizzlies, watching. Yeah, well, it depends on what the Grizzlies do, right? So if this Justice Winslow thing does hurt their chances and they do lose a play-in tournament, then they go into the lottery, and who knows? The Celtics have their pick in the first round. Uh, it's very, very unlikely that it'll. It'll be a, a very good pick. If it fo- somehow, miracle of miracles, they get the, a, a pick within the top six, then Memphis keeps it and Boston gets an unprotected Grizzlies pick for next year, which I think would be more valuable for the Boston Celtics. So 
it, you know, a best case scenario for both teams would be maybe, you know, whatever, chalk it up, you lose, you get into that top six, you keep your draft picked and, and get into one of the top players this year. And then the Celtics get one of their uh, a pick next year that would be pretty good in a deeper draft. Yeah, I think very unlikely though. It's unlikely. No, you know, it's interesting to see how that as that asset that uh, that Memphis pick kind of went from being really really valuable and when you and I were talking hypothetical Anthony Davis trades this past off season like I was high on that pick. Uh worked out for New Orleans um I guess, but yeah, that kind of has changed a little bit. But you're right, it'd be better for it to be unprotected next season not this one. So we'll see how it goes and if Memphis is out in in the lottery, I'm probably a really happy person. And we're seeing more of Zion. So that's cool. So let's root for that, I think. Um, <laughs> Do you know how the Celtics got that pick? I, I, can, I can think about this one. Was that for, what's his name? Small forward, Jeff Green? Jeff Green. The Jeff Green trade. Yeah. From like, me. Yeah, from like five years ago, six years ago. That, that pick has been floating around. And that's still a pick. So the Celtics have a first round pick coming up this year or next year from a Jeff Green trade. Yeah, that who's yeah, that's uh, I'm glad I got that one. There's your NBA that's trivia. Good. For, that's good. For I was pretty pleased with that actually. Um, so there we go. All right, coming up in the next segment, we got to touch on the Jordan brand. You're going to see them a whole lot, and the NBA awards. We've got some clarity on the voting period for that too. So stay tuned. Coming up here next on the Locked On NBA podcast, exclusively part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, John, you want to start with awards or Jordan brand here? Because I like both of these. Oh, um, what's the Jordan brand? Jordan brand. Okay. So big news of the day, which uh, is interesting for a number of reasons, is the Michael Jordan Jumpman logo is going to be on all 30 of the NBA Statement Edition uniform starting next season, 2021. Um, it's basically the alter- one of the alternates that they use. And instead of the Nike logo, you're going to get the Jumpman logo on this. I've got a theory on this, which I'll touch on in a minute, but this is just fully about how Michael Jordan still owns this league. It's a little little weird given that he owns a team. Right. But um, it's right after the last dance, right after the, the you know thrusting Jordan back into the front of mind this offseason, now Jordan's going to have his logo all over everybody's jersey. And once again, Jordan can say that he owns the NBA. How funny is it going to be for Jordan to look at a Detroit Pistons jersey and see his silhouette all over a Pistons jersey, um, I think oh, something like it. that. That's going to be like such so sweet for him. All of these teams that, especially Detroit, that he hates, uh, putting his logo on on, on their jersey. That's just going to be super like for for him. After all of the stuff that we've seen in his attitude and how much he's like carried grudges, this is going to be like the ultimate uh, sweetness for him. He's going to love seeing this on a Lakers jersey on LeBron, right? Like he's going to eat that up. <laughs> right, right. What about being LeBron and like chasing Jordan and now you're wearing a jersey with his silhouette on it? Like that's – yeah. That, I mean, I, it's, I'm not going to say it's a slap in the face or anything, but like he's going to be sitting there looking at his shorts and – the basically uh, sort of like the ghost of the guy he's chasing. Yeah. The, the Jordan player, that silhouette is going to be on his body. Like when you look at LeBron, he's going to have like 60 every time they wear those jerseys. 
Right. Like, seriously. But, like, LeBron, even LeBron's logo isn't his, a silhouette. LeBron doesn't have, like, a signature silhouette like mm-hmm. that, you know? So it's, it's, it's a little interesting dynamic. Oh, I think so. It's It'll be fun to kind of see that and it just shows you his influence still in the league. I also see this by Nike as kind of like a big branding push. You know, I haven't thought about the Jumpman logo and the Jordan brand being like a first and foremost brand over the past couple of years, like maybe some of the other ones that are around the league are. But this with them signing Zion to a deal, them signing Luka to a deal and getting two of the more exciting young players in the league. I wonder if this is maybe leading to not quite a resurgence, I don't think, but you kind of get what I mean. I think we're going to be seeing more of this and there's like a larger strategy here if you're into that sort of stuff. Sure. Yeah. Look, Jordan Jordan has a stable of athletes. You got Russell Westbrook heads up the, that group. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you just got Zion. Uh, it's It's interesting that these guys are signing with Jordan brand. Cause again, you're signing with a, a shoe company that's named after another player. So it's hard to get your name onto a sneaker. Like Giannis is just releasing the zoom freak two, and it's not the Jordan freak two. It's his own nickname on, on the shoe. Yeah. And I, I I've always found it interesting how Jordan brand signs these guys and, and, and their approach. Now, I'm a big sneaker guy and I love this kind of stuff. I've always found it interesting how the Jordan brand kind of where they fit in this ecosystem because the bulk of their money is made off of resale of old Jordans that Jordan wore. There's not a ton of money that's being made off of the guy, the, what the, these guys are selling. Mm-hmm. No, I think that makes sense. And this is why I see this maybe being part of a larger push to make it maybe a more relevant brand that people might go and buy. And this is a really good way to do it. Putting it on alternates, and everyone loves alternate uniforms to, to some degree. Even if they're kind of ugly, you dig when they get worn. So it's part of that, and I think it makes a lot of sense for them. Um, so finally, before we wrap up, we don't need to do a huge deep dive into this just today, but we can touch on it. I think it's pretty good. The NBA announced that the media voting period for the award winners for the 2019-2020 regular season is starting yesterday. It's going to go between July 21st, July 28th. It's only going to factor in games played through March 11th. So when the NBA stops, so these eight seeding games don't matter. I think we're in agreement that Giannis wins MVP, right? There's, there's not much of a discussion there. I, I, you know, I think a lot of people want to make it more of a discussion, but when you put the numbers side by side, Giannis just does too many things uh, better and it, look, it's a credit to LeBron, who at 35 is is having still having this kind of season. But Giannis doing it, and not only doing it, but doing it on both ends of the floor, at the level he's doing it on both ends of the floor, I think he's the clear MVP. Yeah, and that leads into the next one we can ask about, Defensive Player of the Year you have as well. I see that probably being Anthony Davis, but I think Giannis is easily two and could easily win it. Who you got? Who have you got there? I, I'm flipping him. I'm going Giannis. I, I just I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like I don't think there's yeah. anything wrong with that at all. Like it's just kind of yeah. one of those things. It's splitting hairs. Rookie of the year is John Morant. I'd love no, it to be no Zion, question. but with only 19 games, I think Zion's a better player. But it's also rookie of the year, not just best rookie. It's it's John Morant without question with the whole body of work there. Um, yeah, no need to discuss like, that. No, that one we don't need to get into. What about most improved? I think there's a little bit of debate in this one, but I think you and I, you and I tend to see eye to eye on these things too. 
So we talked about it before, and before the show, we were talking about Brandon Ingram, right? Brandon, Brandon Ingram's your choice, right? Okay, so so uh, most improved. I might have said six man. I don't remember what I said. So let's do most improved. So Brandon Ingram. So most improved. I think it's let's start there. That's the more interesting debate. So most improved, I think, is either Ingram, Bam, Jason Tatum, or Luka Doncic. I don't think they're going to give it to Luka, who was so good last year that. It's just, uh, they might, like, don't get me wrong, but I just don't think it's a, it, it, he took a big leap, but you get what I mean. He was already really good last season. And it tends to go from a guy who was kind of like down or not great, who then took the leap to being at an all-star level. Luca doesn't really fit that criteria, in my opinion. I don't see it being Tatum, though he's been very, very good this season. I think if you kind of look at the narratives around Brandon Ingram and Bam, both of them are very similar. You know, third-year guys who are young front court players who took big leaps, who are first-time all-stars this season too, and I think that can kind of factor into things. Um, almost out of nowhere, but not quite, and I think that kind of meets the criteria. If you want to score, you pick Ingram. If you want a more well-rounded guy in rebounding and a little bit better passing, no, not by much, I think you pick Bam, and it's just like pick whichever one you know you prefer. I'm I'm so torn on this because Brandon Ingram's improvements come over the just not even one more minute of play while bam out of bios improvements come with 11 more minutes of play significantly yeah. uh, and so i i'm i'm really want to say bam i really really want to say bam but when you look at the 100 possession numbers the difference kind of evens out for bam out of bio um and the the increase for uh Ingram is a little bit more significant when you when you pump it up to 100 possessions. So I'm going to say the advanced numbers tip this into Ingram as much as I'm my heart wants it to be Bam, but I think it goes to Ingram. Yeah, so I think that's fair too, and I can see that. You know, I I don't know. I think they'll finish one and two, and they're so close. Like they really are, and they kind of fit that narrative too that I think kind of works for him as well. Um, six man of the year, you, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit ahead of time too. It's really between two guys, Harold and Schroeder, right? Anyone else you like? Yeah. Uh, no, I think those are the two guys. I'm going to go with Montrez. I'm a big Montrez, uh, guy. Um, just, just because, uh, I, I just think he's cool. <laughs> no, <laughs> he this is. is why I'm not a, this is why I'm not a voter. Um, I've got no other argument. I've, I can see Schroeder as being a, so, okay. The, the argument against Schroeder is that um, there, there is some question about him leading a second unit. Montrez, he's not, he, he's not that type of player, but when he's in there, uh, he does do damage uh, no matter kind of who he's with. But there are, there are defensive issues with Montrez Harrell. So uh, this one, I went, I went statistics on the last one. I'm going to go with my heart on this one and go with Montrez. That, that's who my pick would be, too. So I kind of like that one. Final one would be coach of the year. Um, we mm. thought one person won it last year, and it turns out he didn't win it. We had to look yeah. it up, which also just tells you how long ago everything feels. Right. I see it as Nick Nurse. Like, this is probably Nick Nurse. You lose Kawhi Leonard. You're still the two seed in the Eastern Conference. Like, that looks really good to me. Yeah. I mean, it's there are so many good candidates, I think, this year. Um, and I actually, I heard Stan Van Gundy talking to Zach Lowe, making a great case for um, Taylor Jenkins in Memphis yeah. for 
for taking like and and look, Memphis wasn't supposed to be. It's it's almost like when Doc Rivers won Coach of the Year when he led the um the Orlando Magic to a 500 record. It was like back in like 2000, I don't know, four or five, somewhere in that range. Uh, that that would certainly like that's certainly a worthy vote. I agree that it's probably going to be Nick Nurse, um, but there are so many other candidates uh, that I think the coaching in the NBA is generally at one of its highest points. There's just so many guys you look up and down the the list that that are deserving of recognition. You kind of look at a lot of these awards other than MVP, you know, where there's two guys at least kind of in the running for it. And it's like, I, I'm not going to feel bad or think like voters got it wrong as long as the names that we've mentioned today are like one of the ones that get chosen. Right. I think some of these are pretty close. Same thing on coaching. Like that makes a whole ton of sense to me on some of this stuff. Uh, before we wrap up here, I'm going to ask you a question regarding Nick Nurse that I asked someone on another podcast. Uh, to end on a silly note, is he the worst person to share, like, have a room next to in the bubble? <laughs> he's up there, man. Like, he's going to be grinding through film all day, and then he's going to break out his guitar. And, like, based on kind of – this is maybe me jumping to conclusions. I don't think Nick Nurse is necessarily listening to or playing the same music as his players. Especially no, with probably his not. So like he's right. going to be jamming out on his freeform jazz odysseys or whatever it is he wants to play and likes to play. I'm a big Spinal <laughs> Tap guy, so that's where I had to jump to there. Um, and he's going to be playing his guitar. It's going to be like two in the morning. He's amped up from grinding through film. And now he's going to like play some Buddy Holly All or right. something on his guitar. I'll fire, back. I'll fire back the question. Worst room, the room next to Nick Nurse or the room under Jimmy Butler? <laughs> No, Jimmy Butler breaks out to go work out at like two in the morning in an empty. No, gym. he was Did dribbling. He was dribbling the ball. He was dribbling the ball in his uh, in his was hotel room, wasn't oh, he? I missed that. Yeah. Oy. Um, I, th- I think he was. Okay, so this comes down to how sturdy and built are these are these hotels here? Because like you have a lot of kids running around, you don't want that sound going through floors. But I see what you're saying. Also, like, who knows if Jimmy Butler ever sleeps and what he's doing in his hotel room at all times. So, like, yeah, that's a concern, too. That's a good point. Um, I lived under a guy one time who just would not stop making noise, and it drove me insane for a very, very long time. So, actually, I'm going to probably lean towards Jimmy Butler there. Uh, that That's fair. I think the dull thud of... Oh, it's awful. Oh, it's just, it's just brutal. It's going to get to you. Yep. Like... It's, isn't that like a thing from The Shining, basically? Like, isn't yeah. that like a dripping that drives someone insane? I don't know, but right. or like the Telltale Heart, where the yes, clicking there just you go. Of, that's yeah. exactly what I'm thinking of. Ed, little Edgar Allan Poe. See, we're getting literary for people here. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, and that's as good of a spot as any to end today's show. So thank you all for listening what to the. Else, l- you're gonna get Poe references. Come yeah, on. We, we got Spinal Tap and Edgar Allan Poe in in all the within last like a minute of here. each other. Like, come on. That was excellent. This just hit. We talked video games. It's like my favorite show we've ever done. It's quality. Um, it's quality. There we go. We have pros. So that's going to do it for the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget, subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcast from. Your Monday through Friday for y'all. Never taking a break. Breaking down everything you want to know about the NBA's restart. It's going to be a lot of fun. We can't wait. We are going to be with you every step of the way. And on Wednesdays, I'm your co-host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter and the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. And I'm John Corrales at Reds Army underscore John on Twitter and host of the Locked On Celtics podcast. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back with you all next week.